This is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. From Lansing Community College, this is LCC Connect, and this is Land Stories, with me, David Seawick. Each episode explores a different topic, such as the people, business, neighborhoods, communities, buildings, and other phenomena that make up the history of our college and our region. We tell stories, and in doing so, we connect the past to the present. In the first of this series on the history of the physical presence of Lansing Community College in downtown Lansing, we explored how the campus came to be at that location, and we looked at some of the buildings, including one uh, big building that's no longer on campus, uh, a building called Old Central. And if you have not listened to part one of this episode series, I would encourage you when you get a minute to go back and listen to that. In this part two, we're going to continue looking at those buildings and how they came to be and, well, what happened to some that aren't here anymore on Lansing Community College's campus. And one building that was mentioned at the beginning of that previous episode was a building that became known as Old Central. Old Central was called that because it was Lansing's original Central High School. And the building was built all the way back in the 1870s. It was designed by a very prominent architect, actually, none other than Elijah E. Myers. Yes, that would be the same Elijah E. Myers that designed the Michigan State Capitol Building, which is located just about three blocks away from where uh, Lansing Community College's old central building once stood. And that building's not on campus anymore. It was raised in 2006, And there is now a parking lot that occupies most of the grounds where Old Central used to stand. So we're we're talking about the block in downtown Lansing that is bound, uh, sort of going in a clockwise direction, um, to the north by Genesee Street, to the east by Capitol Avenue, to the south by Shiawassee Street, and to the west, rounding about our clockwork examination of the space, we have Seymour Street. And that area, therefore, going all the way back to the 1870s, had been really the center of the educational activities in downtown Lansing. That building underwent some substantial renovations between the time that it was built in the 1870s and the time it was raised in 2006. And I suppose any building that's around for roughly 130 years uh, is certainly going to go through some major changes in its time span, and that one certainly did. When the building was built in the 1870s, it was a a very fancy-looking building, actually. It had uh, three stories of the main structure, a building that was built of brick, And then the upper floor, the roof, was designed in the Mansardic 
architectural style. Uh, Henri Mansard was an architect that was involved in some of the building, uh, rebuilding of Paris in the time period when that city's uh, medieval core and early modern core was really raised entirely to the ground, and then uh, a new city was built uh, amongst it. And if you travel to Paris nowadays, you are uh, walking down avenues that bear the great redesign and rebuilding of the city in the uh, time period, r- roughly the 1870 to 1890 time period. Here in the United States, the architectural influence of Henri Mansard w- was prominent, it's so much so that we, we being Americans, named uh, an architectural style after him. And the style in particular was the roof on that type of building. And the roof structure of the old central uh, building, when it was first built, Lansing Central High School, is really what gave it its, its major architectural style distinction. And it's basically a roof structure that has uh, curved facades covered in tiles, uh, gabled and flat um, surfaces on the absolute top of the roof, and then dormers that protrude from the curved edges of the structure. And along with a couple of other major architectural features on the building, including uh, a very large chimney and a turret sort of uh, copula that was also located in the roof, that building was very distinct in its style uh, for many years in downtown Lansing. And then what happened was in the early 1900s, the Lansing School Board voted to substantially remodel and uh, actually expand that building. And what they basically did was they cut off all of the uh, mansardic architectural elements of the roof line, uh, replaced it with a flat roof, and then added a couple of major wings onto the west and the east sides of the building essentially building a new building um, around an existing structure and keeping that existing structure and integrating both together. So that is the basic frame, if you will, of Old Central as it became known when Lansing Community College acquired it. And then when Lansing Community College acquired that building in the mid-1960s, they went ahead and did some further remodeling of it, including building single-story office uh, wings onto the uh, really the east side of the building, and then adding a very common 1960s architectural uh, element. Some might say it was the brutalist influence making its way into the remodel of that building, uh, is a facade made of a variety of masonry and, and metal materials, and it covered up most of the windows that had been put when that part of the building uh, was built and remodeled in the early 1900s. So by the time Lansing Community College raised the building in 2006, it bore very little resemblance, very little resemblance to uh, what it was way back in the 1870s when Elijah E. Myers designed it. So, what's there nowadays? What's the history behind that? Well, as it turns out, on those grounds of where Old Central once stood, not only is there a parking lot, but there are still, well, there is still a building that uh, 
didn't go quite back to the 1870s when uh, Old Central was built. That building is the Carnegie Library that Lansing once had, and it was built in the early 1900s, right about the same time that Old Central went through its major remodel. The Lansing Central High School went through its major remodel. And now, Lansing Community College has a facility on campus. It's called the University Center. The University Center is a conjoining of a brand new construction, brand new from 2009 when the building was completed, with the Old Central, um, or on the old grounds of where Old Central used to stand, and then attached to the old Carnegie Library building, which goes to the early 1900s. So now, if you stand on the corner of Capitol Avenue and Shiawassee Street, Lansing Community College's uh, downtown Lansing campus, and turn your attention to the direction of the Northwest, you are looking at the 2009 construction and the 1905 construction joined together into one building that we call the University Center and is actually a building that in many ways took a hundred years to build because one wing of it was a building of its own built in the early 1900s and that served as Lansing Carnegie Library. The other wing of it built in 2009 in a very modern looking structure with a glass and masonry facade along with the use of some other materials including copper so it's a very fascinating uh, looking building architecturally, and I would encourage uh, any of you, uh, when you're on your stroll around downtown Lansing the next time, take a look at those buildings. It's one building now, and you'll know a bit about the history behind it. In part one of this episode, we looked at urban renewal efforts and changing dynamics of downtowns in American cities going back to the 1950s and the 1960s. And as I mentioned in that episode, and we're going to explore this theme a little bit more right now here, the growth of Lansing Community College's downtown campus is in many ways tied into these trends and how they impacted Lansing. So if we imagine that we're still standing on the corner of Shiawasset Street and Capitol Avenue, and our direction is currently, in our imaginary walking tour, looking to the northwest. So we are staring at the University Center and the Carnegie Library. And having just contemplated uh, that building and its two halves, we are going to turn our direction now to our right. So we're still standing on the corner of Shiawassee and Capitol Avenue, but now we're looking to our right. And we're going to turn all the way around and walk in that direction down Shiawassee Street across Capitol Avenue. And about 200 yards, we're going to run into what is now known as Washington Square, sometimes called the Washington Mall, when it, we are at uh, the campus of Lansing Community College. The existence of Washington Square and the Washington Mall, as again it's called in walking through Lansing Community College's campus, goes very much back to one of those trends or phenomena of that time period. And this is the movement of pedestrianizing, meaning closing or severely limiting to vehicular traffic, downtown shopping districts in American cities. The movement started not in Lansing, but not that far from Lansing, 
actually started in Kalamazoo in 1959. The central business district of Kalamazoo, Michigan, had undergone a lot of changes in the decade, decade and a half after the Second World War, as was true of virtually any city in the United States. And as suburban shopping districts were being built miles away from downtown Kalamazoo, the city leaders came together in the late 1950s and they said, what can we do? What can we do to stop businesses from fleeing out into the suburbs? And what can we do to get the general public to want to go to those businesses should they stay here in Kalamazoo? And the solution they came up with was really quite remarkable, given this is the era when the automobile ruled America in more ways than it's um, sometimes even uh, easy to imagine. This is the beginning of the construction of the interstate highway system. It's the beginning of the building of really an entire suburban infrastructure in the United States that was built entirely around the automobile. So what the city leaders in Kalamazoo decided to do was close off a couple blocks of one of the main uh, corridors in downtown Kalamazoo, a street called Burdick Street, two cars. And that's what they did. And it became the first pedestrian mall, outdoor pedestrian shopping mall that was uh, conceived and designed over an existing street in the United States. Hundreds of cities around the United States over the next 10 or 15 years would do some version of the same thing, including Lansing. Around about 1970, the leaders of Lansing were looking at ways to revitalize the shopping district downtown here. And so what they decided to do was something similar to what happened in Kalamazoo with the Kalamazoo Mall a decade prior, but a little bit different. And they renamed Washington Avenue, Washington Square. And the idea was that it was part of a large square, um, or looked like a large square on a map, of several streets in the vicinity, including Washington Avenue itself, that formed the retail business core of downtown Lansing. And in Renaming it Washington Square, the city also went in and redeveloped part of it to be more pedestrian-friendly, including closing a bit of that street off to cars. Now, this is where Lansing Community College comes into the picture here, because this is the exact same time that Lansing Community College has embarked upon what was the most significant uh, physical plant upgrade and total transformation of the land area of downtown Lansing that the campus is on, uh, that the college had up to that point committed to. And this is the construction of the Gannon building, including the parking ramp. If you drive through downtown Lansing nowadays or walk through it, you'll see a crane, a a big large crane that's been up for quite some time uh, over the Gannon parking ramp that's currently being constructed. That's a new parking ramp, and it's being built where the old one was located. The old one was finished in the mid-1970s, the same time that the rest of the Gannon building was finished. The Gannon building occupies, with the parking ramp, an entire block 
of downtown Lansing. And when it was built in the mid-1970s, it was one of the largest construction projects the city of Lansing had seen in years. A, a major, major project that involved excavating quite a bit of, of land, actually, and then building a multi-story building into the side of the hill that that area, uh, the topography of that area naturally has. So between roughly 1974 and 1976, the Gannon building is built. Parking ramp, uh, then the rest of the building uh, at the same time. And the completion, therefore, of the parking ramp and the rest of the building in 1976 happens at the exact same time that this uh, vision of reimagining how downtown Lansing would look is taking shape. And therefore, when the Gannon Building was complete, Lansing Community College acquired the block of Washington Avenue that ran between Shiawassee Street and Schoolcraft Street. And that is the Washington Mall that goes through Lansing Community College. And in doing so, and in closing that off to traffic, not only had LCC uh, taken what was the north end of a fairly important busy street in downtown Lansing and turned it into a pedestrian mall that bisected the growing community college campus, but they had also taken part in that trend that was sweeping the nation of pedestrianizing significant parts of central business districts in downtowns. And this is also one of the ideas that was conceived out of this idea of urban renewal or urban revitalization. And again, it's quite remarkable to think about this. We have the highways being built all around the United States, this is the time when shopping malls start to go up, which are sort of the mecca of automobile get-you-there shopping. One can think of any number of shopping malls in the United States, in Michigan, and in our area here, the mid-Michigan region, that uh, were built during that time period and certainly fill the bill. But the pedestrianization of cities, therefore, is a very interesting trend that happens during this time period because it seems to balk the nationwide trend of focusing on the automobile. So Lansing Community College's campus is, is right in the middle of that in the physical sense and in the chronological sense. And therefore, now when we walk through Lansing Community College's campus, if we're approaching the Gannon Building, if we're approaching the Arts and Sciences Building, if we're walking into the Health and Human Services Building, any of the other structures that are on the campus, we are walking through the uh, very real long-term significance of this urban trend that goes back to that uh, post-war period in American history. So it's pretty fascinating to contemplate. And on such a walk through Lansing Community College's downtown Lansing campus, if we keep walking north, we're going to run into a building that is called the Early Learning Children's Community. And it is a early education and child care and learning laboratory. Um, it's an educational facility for young children. And that building, before it was the Early Learning Children's Community, 
uh, at one time held a fine arts center for Lansing Community College, and the photography program was in there too. But when you approach that building, one of the things that is striking about it is the fact that it has an angled corner. An angled corner in the sense that an old corner uh, shop might have uh, walking through a business district of a city. And there's a good reason for that, because that building at one time was a corner shop. It was a pharmacy. That's what it was built at, uh, known as the apothecary building. Apothecary is an old term for a pharmacy. And it was acquired by the college way back in the 1960s. And then in the 70s underwent its renovation so it could be used as a photography center. And it was used for quite some time uh, for that purpose. And and the reason why that building is so interesting is not only because you can see that at one time it was a, a business that um, existed there, but also because you can get the sense if you're standing looking at that angled entrance to the building that that was a street corner at one time. And it was. And the street that ran right in front of it was Washington Street. And so the... Campus of Lansing Community College has had this really curious uh, effect on the area of, of enveloping or incorporating buildings that predated the campus being there into what it has turned into now. On the next episode, part three of this series, we're going to continue looking at how Lansing Community College's campus has grown through the years and the history behind some of those buildings, those that we have not discussed so far in part one and part two, those buildings on the campus. You've been listening to Land Stories with me, David Seawick. For more information on this program and to stream past episodes, visit lccconnect.org. LCC Connect is the official home of the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College, offering hours of original and exciting programming. Hosted by faculty, staff, and community members, LCC Connect explores our college's work in the community, important topics in higher education, and our vision for the future. Catch the vibe on 89.7 FM or online at lccconnect.org. Until next time, remember, keep telling good stories. Featuring the faculty, staff, students, and others that help to make Lansing's premier college what it is today. LCC Connect, mid-Michigan's connection to Lansing Community College. To find out more about our featured programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. The Lansing Community College Foundation provides scholarships that make education possible, change students' lives, and uplift our community. Students may apply for scholarships November 1st through January 31st. Learn more at lcc.edu scholarships. Welcome to Arts Connect at LCC, an arts hub of LCC events open to the entire community. Coming up, 
Summer Stage Under the Stars returns to LCC's Outdoor Amphitheater in the center of the downtown Lansing campus this summer with two free plays. In June, Romeo and Juliet, a contemporary take on Shakespeare's beloved tragedy. And in early August, Wiley and the Hairy Man, a family drama. Also part of Summer Stage this summer, but it'll be indoors in the Gannon Commons, is Dance Lansing the last weekend of July. These are just a few of the great things in the mix. Explore all of Lansing Community College's abundant arts activities, academic programs, and more, and experience the power of the arts to connect. Visit lcc.edu slash artsconnect for dates, times, locations, and links. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Hey, hey, hey. This is Lisa A., and you're listening to Who's That Star on LCC Connect at Lansing Community College. Who's That Star is a behind-the-scenes show where I sit down and talk with the employees at the college. This is an inside look at LCC where you will have a chance to learn about their passions, projects, what inspires them both at work and in their personal lives. I'm your host, Lisa Alexander. I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to all the people who make LCC great. This show is for you to get to know the people that work at Lansing Community College a little bit more and see what makes them tick. Are you ready? Okay, let's go see who's today's star. Today on Who's That Star, we have double the fun. I wanted to showcase a very important role here at the college. This role assists many areas, and we are looking for more people to fill this role. In this role, you have the opportunity to explore different areas of interest, learn how to work in a team environment, and gain new skills. Are you wondering what this role is? The role I'm talking about is student employees. I'm so glad today to introduce you to two of our student staff in academic advising. Are you ready? Today on Who's That Star, we have Nicholas Lane and Khadijah Dahir. Welcome, Nicholas and Khadijah. We are so happy to have you here on Who's That Star today. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you. We're happy to be here. Wonderful. So what we're going to do is talk about the student employee experience and learn a little bit about who you guys are and what your goals are after you leave LCC, because I think you guys are getting ready to graduate, right? Yep. Yes, indeed. All right. So we're going to start first with Nicholas. Uh, Nicholas was our first student employee that we hired since we came back from remote work. So we were excited to have Nicholas. He came and saved the day because it was hard. You don't really know how important a role is until you don't have it. And so, Nicholas, I wanted to talk to you about what it is that got you excited or got you interested in applying for a student employee. Um, one of the main reasons that I wanted to apply for the student employee job was because um, before COVID, um, every time I would come into the Gannon building, uh, I would see the Career Center open and I was always greeted with open arms and smiles uh, by people that were working in the Career Center. Uh, so when the opportunity presented itself, I thought it was, you know, a great, great position to be filled. Okay. Khadija, I'm going to ask you the same question. What got you interested in student employment? 
Um, for me, uh, I was always on campus. Even if I didn't have class, I would just come here to um, have like a nice space to do my work. And then I figured that I'm here anyway, so I might as well like do something to fill my time when I'm not doing anything. And then obviously Nicholas was here and he told me about his job and I was interested. So I applied. Okay. So you and Nicholas knew each other before working at the um, academic advising? Yeah. Oh, okay. How did you know each other? Oh, we were classmates in the early college. Oh, okay. So you also were students in the early college. So that means that you were doing high school and college work at the same time. Yes, ma'am. All right. We're going to explore that a little <laughs> later. So I'm not going to try to get off track, but <laughs> I'm excited because I think that, you know, just showcases that there's a lot of different opportunities for students, you know, on the LCC campus. So, Nicholas, did you find it difficult to apply for a student position? Uh, no, it was fairly simple. Um, as obviously, because of COVID, not a lot of people um, were coming back in person quite yet. Not a lot of people felt comfortable um, so there wasn't a lot of competition when applying. <laughs> right, that's true. <laughs> so, did you were you did you come in the building? Did you do it online? How did you? Apply? Um, I did it online, but I talked to people at the Star Zone about how to find job postings and such, and they directed me uh, to the LCC website and how to find where to apply. And then uh, I just applied online. All right, thank you. So, Katija, did you have to, I'm jacking your name up, <laughs> I don't know what it is, I got tongue twister or what, but I apologize. <laughs> You're fine. So, Khadija, did you have to submit a resume? Uh, yeah, so within the um, online application, there is a spot where you submit a resume and a cover letter. Okay, so had you had that done already, or did you? was that something that you had to create for this job? Um, I had one done. I just had to like touch it up to um, fill in like things I had like completed after I made it. At, <laughs> after I made my resume and then I just added things in there and then submitted it. All right. So it sounded like it wasn't too difficult of a process. Right. So, Nicholas, did you have an interview? I did have an interview. I had an interview with uh, Marcy Fur and Rebecca Soa. Now, was this your first job? No, I've had a job at uh, the YMCA for, okay, for a so long time. I was a kinda, lifeguard. You kind of prepared for... Uh, what the process was. Yep. I've been through through multiple interviews, uh, so it didn't feel as nerve wracking as I thought it would be. Okay. What about you, Khadijah? Was this your first job or had you worked before? Um, no, I've had two jobs before this. Um, and then I wasn't too nervous during my interview because I had met Marcy a little bit before my interview and she was like really, really nice. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a good experience. Okay. I'm going to ask this question of both of you and we'll let Khadija go first this time. <laughs> um, what are some of the tasks that you had to do in your job working in academic advising? Um, so we have to basically answer phones and schedule appointments for um, academic advisors for students that want to meet with them. And um, we also do career advising appointments. Okay. So did you did you find that you got an opportunity to work with the public? I did. Yeah. Um, there's so many different people that attend LCC, so just um, being able to see them at, like during drop-ins and, mm -hmm. and like answer their calls, things like that, that was very interesting. Yeah, I, it, it's, it's interesting to me. So, Nicholas, what about you? What, what skill do you think that you learned with being a student employee or you improved by being a student employee? Um, definitely the biggest skill that I've gained is how to um, be efficient on the computer. Um, before I wasn't as tech savvy, 
But okay. because of this academic advising job, um, we have to be working on the phone also while entering in information over the over the computer. So multitasking and, and really learning how to use everything you have, especially when uh, internet connection is not working or okay. trying to be resourceful when, when right. things aren't going your way. You learn some skills about how to problem solve and, mm -hmm. you know, things do happen. So how do you work around those and do those things? And that's why I really think student employee positions are really important for, you know, character building and, and teaching you, but it also gives you that experience because a lot of our students who've left academic advising have went to other jobs on college campuses and this experience that they've had, it helps them. So I wanted to ask you both, how is it working and going to school at the same time? When you're, you know, student employee, you're in college, how, how does that work for you? Either one of you can, either one, it doesn't matter. Go for it. I think this is actually my favorite part about being a student employee because um, everybody here like understands that you're a student first and they actually enforce that for you. Um, everybody works around your schedule as a student and your personal life. So you're never going to have like conflicts with um, testing and things like that. Everybody respects that you have um, prior other priorities besides your job mm -hmm. and everybody's understanding of that. So um I've never actually had any like scheduling conflicts if I needed to leave for like an emergency or I just needed like extra tutoring or something. My employers were very understanding of that. And that's what I really like about being a student employee here. Oh, thank you. Not uh, that I make the rules <laughs> or anything, but I, just, I think it's good that you could do that. Okay, Nicholas, about you, like what do you, what do you think? Did, was there any hardships that you thought to being a student employee? Um no, not necessarily. I think I think the the merging of the two are very seamless. Um, not necessarily are all of the days that we work um, as busy. Right. So there are some days where I could be waiting for a phone call and doing homework or getting ahead on reading things like right. that. So I think the student employee position allows you to um, remain a student while also getting paid to be a, to work. Well, I definitely. Um think that being a student employee is one of the, I love student employees, right? Because I like messing with y'all and <laughs> I like to, you guys keep me, you know, in the know, like what, if I say some, something that's old, most of <laughs> student, the student employees will look at me and roll their eyes and be like, uh, Lisa, no, that is old. <laughs> you don't say this, you don't say that. But I just, I enjoy it. And I think I see the value in it. And so I think it's so important. So I'm glad that you guys came and took the time to talk to me about the employment of, you know, being a student employee. But what I really want to talk, because I'm so proud of both of you, right? I really think that you guys are great students Thank and you. I think that you know I, I'm so excited to see what you do when you get out into the world and after you get your degrees and things and so Khadijah I want you to give me a little bit of information about who Khadijah is talk about where you came from how you ended up to get into LCC and what you're gonna do when you leave LCC okay so <clears throat> Um, I went to Okemos High School, and then after my sophomore year, um, I applied to the early college at LCC, um, and then that's how I started coming here. First semester of the early college, we kind of just were in our own little bubble. We were doing, like, high school classes, and then after that, we started doing um, 
regular LCC classes and I really, really enjoyed that experience. I really felt that like um, it was a necessary like change of environment environment for me from high school. Um, and yeah, so I am graduating this semester with um, an associate's in transfer studies. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you got to celebrate that. <laughs> Thank I'm you. super, super proud of that. Okay, Thank go ahead. Thank you. Um, and then I plan on going to University of Michigan in the fall, and I am studying psychology, and I plan on becoming a psychotherapist in the future. Oh, wow. Wonderful. So I'm in uh, social work, uh, clinical social work, so you probably, or you may be giving me a job one day. So yeah, make sure to keep give in you your job. good graces. Uh, remember me, Khadijah. <laughs> I think that's wonderful. Um, U of M. What made you come to that decision? Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it was probably one of the best schools I got accepted into, and it's close to home, not too close, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a wonderful, you know, wonderful school. I'm, you know, I'm pro MSU all the way. Yeah, we know. <laughs> every day. But I, I do recognize, you know, M U of M is a good school, and it's everybody's not getting into U of M. So I just want to know that that's a great accomplishment and I'm super proud of you. And yeah. So thank you. Thank you for coming to today, Khadijah. Thank you for having me. All right. So Nicholas, I wanted to, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to tell me how you got started or how you came to LCC. Uh, you can tell me a little bit about your program and where you're going to transfer to, and what your goal is. Definitely. Um, it all started when my sister actually went to LCC. Uh, I went on a visit to the campus with her, and I found out about the early college program okay. in about uh, late of my eighth grade year. And um, I thought it was a great opportunity for me, and not only for me as a student, but also as a student athlete. Mm -hmm. um, getting ahead on college definitely cuts down on the cost when you go to university. So in my sophomore year, I, I applied. I was on the wait list initially. Um, luckily, I got in. All right. And um, I will be graduating this semester with an associate's in pre-professional health studies. Okay, wait a minute. Hold on. Yay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think we have to recognize these great, great, great students. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. Um, I forgot to mention I, do, I went to East Lansing High School. Um, I will be transferring to Johns Hopkins University to study neuroscience and play Ooh. lacrosse. Oh, you're going to play. Now, what was the sport? I'm sorry. I got so excited I covered it. What was it? <laughs> That's all right. It's lacrosse. Lacrosse. Okay. And are you going to play when you get to Johns Hopkins? Yes, ma'am. Oh, wow. So you're going to be playing sports, going into a difficult program, mm -hmm. and you're going to be far away from home. Where's Johns Hopkins? In Baltimore, Maryland. Oh, wow. So that's going to be exciting. It's going to be a major change. Mm -hmm. But one thing I can say is that I think you both are prepared for your journeys. When you go to your four-year institution, I know LCC has great classes. And once you are able to make it here, you're able to go and be successful wherever. And so I am going to be one of our alumni coming Thursday, right? Because that's yeah. when you graduate. Mm -hmm. And then you can come back and you can tell us about your careers and all the wonderful things that you're doing. I just once again want to thank you both for 
coming on to Who's That Star today, but also all the work that you did in academic advising to help us get back from the pandemic, you know, help students get access to us. And so it, we're going to be sad to see you go. Do you guys have any parting words? Enroll in LCC. Please. All right. And become a student employee. <laughs> hey, Please. okay, that $5 I'll give y'all later. <laughs> <laughs> no, but thank you again. Um, today on Who's That Star, we had we talked about student employment and how it is such a important role at the college. I want to again thank Khadijah and Nicholas and come back next week to find out Who's That Star. You've been listening to Who's That Star? I'm Lisa A., and you can listen to this episode of Who's That Star and other shows from LCC Connect anytime online at lccconnect.org. Thank you for listening. Catch me next time to find out Who's That Star? Connecting you with Lansing Community College, this is LCC Connect. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College students now have the option to go beyond an associate degree through LCC's University Center. The University Center is a partnership between LCC and five four-year universities. Located on LCC's downtown campus, these universities offer junior and senior level courses. To find out more about the University Center, visit lcc.edu. Lansing Community College welcomes transfer students. Transfer students may apply transfer credits towards their LCC degree, certificate, or transfer program. Learn more at lcc.edu slash you belong. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. We but mirror the world. All the tendencies present in the outer world are to be found within us. If we change ourselves, the tendencies in the world will also change. This paraphrased quote from Mahatma Gandhi is the basis of the program you are about to hear. I'm Dedalian, and this is Shining Stars, a program dedicated to searching out and bringing attention to individuals and organizations that are fostering positive change within our community and within our world. My guest on Shining Stars today is an individual that I first heard about through an article in the Lansing State Journal. He's originally from Honduras, but he made his way to the U.S. at a very young age. Uh, recently, he was a participant in the Samaritas Youth Refugee Art Exhibit. And Lansing State Journal detailed some of his background within the article, but details that only offered a small glimpse into what I saw as a brave individual. In one of the final paragraphs of the article, he explained why he shares his story, and that's what prompted me to invite him here on Shining Stars today. His name? is Edwin Hernandez Ventura. Welcome to the show, Edwin. Thank you, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Like I said, this, the article in uh, LSJ was primarily about the art exhibit. And as I mentioned before as well, uh, it only gave a brief glimpse into your story. So can you give us a little bit of an idea of how and why you got to us here in the States? Well, 
as any story always have a beginning, right? It does. <laughs> um, I can consider myself that I've been an immigrant before actually becoming the real immigrant in this amazing build-up immigrant land. I came from El Salvador first. Uh, okay. I've, yep. And from Honduras, everything was related really good until um, 11, to be precise. My mom decided to, to make her life with this gentleman and and he turned to be a nightmare. And what do you mean by that? Your stepdad? Aggressive, you know, threatening. Um, actually, the, the May day, the day that I took the decision to come here to the United States, it wasn't a plan. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that I scheduled or anything. He just one day, out of his mind, came drunk to home with a revolver. Um, he started throwing to that revolver to me, and he basically just... Just fired, but he was too drunk to know that the gun was locked or empty with no bullets and the thing didn't come out. And to be clear, the reason he was doing this is because you identify with the um, LGBTQT plus community. Is that correct? Correct. And he he was aware of that. He was aware of that. That's very scary. Okay. And you are 11 years old at this time. Yeah. He's coming at you with a revolver, and obviously there's this point where you're going, I've got to get out of here. Now, was your mom on the same page at that time? Interesting, and I will leave this to the public and, or, or to you too. I haven't answered that question to myself. I cannot be certain because when he actually did that and, and, and tried to shoot me and, and, and all that, um, things were break. Things were break in the house. When all that happened, he ran away and he left the house. My mom locked the doors. And by the old mess that we have in the house and everything, she comes near to me and she said, nothing of this would be happening if you would just not answer him back. I just felt like, wow, like this figure now is with him. So, yeah, you just kind of felt like you were on your own then. Yeah. I could see where that would be um, an overwhelming and scary um, moment for anybody, uh, let alone uh, somebody at the age of 11. Uh, So eventually you made your way over to the States. Your first stop was in Texas. Now, once you got to Texas, did you feel like you were taken care of uh, quickly or did you feel like you were just kind of caught in the system? I I would end up being caught in the system due to the fact that when I entered United States being with Homeland Security. First, immigration takes custody of you. You have certain time, you are in the jail, the children's center, whatever, no. That was a facility of Homeland Security, which I can say it was a jail due to the fact that A, you are locked, you don't have any sense that it's day or night, the only thing you have there is a clock and they don't provide you with any necessities. And if you want to go to a restroom, you have to go in public with other 20 people that, yeah. <laughs> trust me. And this, and this is you at the age of, of 12, 13 years old, or actually probably about 12 years old at this point. Yeah, and nothing, like, you're just there. And it's funny, when you lose the, sun, the sense of time, mm-hmm. it became very interesting to interact because you just wake up, go to sleep, you see around and you're like seven. I am PM. Right, right. So being in, in that in that center, um, the time the, the time passed until what it wasn't to me not being allowed to be in that detention center anymore. They moved me to this facility 
It's called the Children's Center. It's located in Galveston. It was located in Texas, in Galveston, Texas. Um, in that facility, the purpose is to reconnect, was to see what what is going to happen with your case. And so my case coming to them was, A, I cannot definitely be reunited with my family back in Honduras. B, I cannot be relocated with my family back in El Salvador. Where are you going? I can only imagine how much of an overwhelming situation that must have been. Uh, but of course, eventually you found your home here in Michigan, and that was through the organization known as Samaritas. Uh, they uh, relocated you here to the Great Lakes State, and uh, you graduated from Charlotte. Uh, how long did it take for you to get your, uh, in, in order for you to stay here in the States? Of course, you had to get your green card. So how long did it take for you to uh, get your green card? It took until July 20, 2021. Okay, so 18 is when you got it. Is that right? I was 22 22 years old. So, yeah, 10 years to basically get to that point, right? To get to that point. And uh, first of all, i got to ask you, do you think you will try to get a citizenship down the road? I am, 100%. So you've grown to love or at least like the country, maybe not the bureaucracy, but you like it, yes? I do like it. I, I, I call it home now. That's good. That's good. We are glad that you were a part of our home, too. Thank you. Uh, tell me what's one of the uh, best things that uh, you love about the U.S.? Oh, there's a lot, <laughs> but I think that it, the people actually fight for their for their freedom. Okay. If something is wrong, we're gonna fix it. Yeah. In that sense, in any perception, in any, I'm not saying if you're right or wrong. It's just the sentiment alone of you knowing that if you are not pleased for what is going on, you can you can say that, and that alone is is my purpose that I'm here. And that's why I'm going with my career and doing that. Well, I've been a lifelong resident of the U.S., and I can tell you one thing. I've seen over the past probably 10 years or so, I've seen more of a willingness to listen, uh, but I've also seen the opposite too. And uh, my hope is, is that we'll see more folks like you that are willing to step up and have those conversations. Thank you. Not only that, but those that are willing to listen. I think that my my main purpose um, on this is by the knowledge and the environment that I was exposed in Charlotte, in Charlotte, Michigan, is that the community cares. The people do care. It's just the matter of where and how they're getting that information that they see portrayed. I think that a word speaking that I live, when you say that I, you continue with the strong statement has more of an impact. So tell me if I've got this right then. So your, your, your goal when you're, you're explaining your story is to help people understand what it took to get here, uh, kind of walk a mile in my shoes kind of a deal. And then hopefully in doing that, they gain some empathy into who you are, what you do. And then at the same time to help people understand, yes, I can be an immigrant and yes, I can be a productive member of this community or society as well. Correct. And that, that is your goal, right? Correct. Uh, you actually took part in a recent, uh, am I safe to say you were stepping out of your comfort zone by painting? Yep. Okay. 
Uh, you did a, a piece that you called Follow Your Dreams, and this was part of the Samaritas Youth Refugee Art Exhibit. And uh, this is actually a traveling um, art exhibit, right? Correct. Uh, what's the goal of the uh, art exhibit? Um, to show what my interpretation for how I see it, my art in that is to portray the vivid thoughts, emotions, or the encapsulated momentums that we all have when we are thinking of what's going to be next. And that is your specific painting that, that you had? Correct. And that's my painting, and that's what I want the people to see when they actually have the opportunity to see my, my painting there. And that that's my perception. Now, Kayla might also share the perspective from Samarita along. Absolutely. Uh, so this exhibit is actually a collection of paintings created since 2015. Mm-hmm. And each painting is the opportunity for one of the youth in our program, similar to what Edwin just shared, kind of share a part of their their heart, their perspective, and then introduce that to the community, giving them a voice, but also giving the community an opportunity to interact with and engage with the stories of these youth in a new way outside of just, you know, the newspaper. And uh, so that exhibit is now traveling around the state to different hosts, giving different communities just the chance to learn a little bit more about who these youth are that are building a future and becoming part of our community. Okay. And we aren't exactly sure when this uh, episode will be airing. So I will just tell you that you can keep up to date with where the location is. Is that correct at the website? Yes. Which is Samaritas.org. Uh, all right, Edwin, you actually were a, uh, when did you attend school here at Lansing Community College? 2019 to 2021. Was that a positive experience? Yep. What positivity can we throw out there about uh, your experience here at Lansing Community College? Reconnection. Reconnection. Yep. One of my uh, my caseworker, um, my first one, the one who spoke to me and actually cleared out a lot of my answers, he left because his personal reasons. He couldn't tell me where he was going. He'd just say, we'll see you again. And I promise that the time you see me again, you will actually be doing something for help others. The reason why I started LCC was A, accessible, near where I was, and the help that they have, tutors, uh, LCC advisors, people who you can actually sit down and be like, hey, what do I need to get from here to here having this? And they were like, yep, this is what you have to do. I go to the help desk. In the Cesar Chavez Learning Center, come in, secretary helps me. I asked secretary um, how you enjoyed this group. And she was like, well, you can do it in many forms. You can just come in, do homework, whatever. And here are our business cards. Um, here's going to be the director, the person, and yada, yada. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, my God. I recognize this name. <laughs> Is he here? No, he's not. Where is he at? Um... Somewhere in Central Michigan University doing a talk. Okay. I'm coming back. <laughs> I'm taking good. this. So, so did you actually get to reconnect with him here at Lansing Community College? Uh, oh, after, very good. Very after good. After three years. And, and that's where you're heading next, right? Central Michigan University? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you plan to study? Social work. Social work. That's exciting. That's so very you're, exciting. You're, you're basically going to get into the same sort of thing that Kayla's doing, right? Yep. More on hand with the people and... To try to portray and and just to show by example 
how could have done and how we can do to improve? Well, based on what I know about you so far, I, you seem to be a very caring individual, and I think you're going to be awesome at it. Thank you. So, Edwin, can you take a moment to explain to me what the Refugee Congress is? Refugee Congress is a nonprofit organization that is mainly to trying to work with state and federal government about the situations going on with the refugee community overall, uh, exposing that to or delegate member Congress from the U.S. Congress okay. and also to our governors mm-hmm. and basically trying to explain to them, hey, like this is what is going on with our community. Do something. Obviously, your involvement in this uh, is, is because you are a refugee, right? Correct. When you open the spectrum of refugee, there's a lot. You cannot even imagine like, how many types of refugees you can have. All these sort of different perceptions of refugees, we get together, and by our experience, thoughts, and planning, mm-hmm. we just write letters, do calls, and somewhat be annoying to the people that should be doing the work. <laughs> That's fair. And we try to get an answer. All right. And and you got very exciting news. Are you okay to share that about the Refugee Congress, about you personally? Yeah. I am the one who gave the war a delegate from the state of Michigan. All right. Um, I very much hope that refugee people and people on the immigration system is hearing this. They can reach to me. We can talk. We can have a conversation and, and express it and also enjoy the team. We're always looking for people. What is the Refugee Congress uh, website? Uh, it's refugeecongress.org. I am going to ask you that final question that I ask of all my uh, my guests. Are you ready for it? Uh, yeah, give it up. <laughs> Tell me, if you had the ability to snap your fingers and put one thought in the collective consciousness of the entire human race at the same time, what would that thought be? appreciation for the moment oh you're the first one to answer that one that's that's nice so why is that i think by my experience and my collection of hearing other people we're too worried about the past or what's going to happen and we just forgot about the now we just somehow cloud ourselves on things that did happen and things that will happen Mm mm-hmm And we're just forgetting that to get there. And when you were there, you're in the now. And I think it's something we all can use a reminder from time to time. Edwin, once again, thank you for coming in. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. And uh, Kayla, I I should say thank you for your help on this uh, interview as well. Thank you. Remember, we can all contribute something good to this world, no matter how big or small. A simple smile, a friendly gesture. That's all it takes to expand the power of positivity one inch further. I encourage you to find your shining star within by being the change you want to see. Thanks so much for listening to Shining Stars and, of course, sharing your time with me today. I'm Dedalian, and you can listen to this episode of Shining Stars on demand along with other LCC Connect programs at lccconnect.org. This has been a presentation of LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. All shows featured on LCC Connect are recorded at the WLNZ studio, located on LCC's downtown campus. Each program is podcast-based 
and can be heard anytime at lccconnect.org. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on one of our shows, connect with us by emailing lcc-connect at lcc.edu.